Welcome to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. Thanks so much for tuning into the pod. We've got a great guest for you today. James David Dixon, JDD, as I like to call him, joins us today. And we always like James coming on the program. It seems like he's so involved with writing so many interesting stories as the managing editor for the Michigan Capital Confidential. James, I know your writing juices must be flowing because we're less than a month away from elections and there's just a lot going on. Oh, there's a whole lot going on. And hey, Tony, thank you so much for having me. But yeah, real exciting time in Michigan where, you know, we're just coming a few months out of the budget process. A lot of stories there, a lot of money flying around. And now we're still in election season. So we got Mm -hmm. two debates in the governor's race before election day. So there's going to be a lot going on. Yeah, and there are the two debates. Some folks were hoping for more as we get so close to election season here. What do you see? What do you hear? And what's your vibe on how we in the media are covering these stories prior to the big election? Well, it seems to be treated as if Whitmer winning is inevitable. And, you know, you hear from normal people who say, well, that can't be. You know, Whitmer did this and this and that and lockdowns and you know, they run off this litany of things, but then they hear poll numbers that say she's up 17 points. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, with less than a month to go at this point, does that mean more people show up saying, hey, we're going to shock the world? We're going to speak our voice. We're going to show people that these numbers are wrong or are people come to believe that it's out of reach and stay home. Mm-hmm. Well, when it comes to polls, I don't trust them because they've been so wrong in the last 10 years. And I think we can never discount anyone after Rick Snyder's victory here in Michigan and after Donald Trump winning. No one thought that those two would win and they did. Absolutely. And the thing no one wants to say and the reason why no one truly wants, you know, voter participation to go up. Okay, so let's say 25 percent of voters normally vote. If that were to double, you couldn't know who those extra people were going to vote for. Mm -hmm. You couldn't know. And so it makes the electorate much more unpredictable, which doesn't help anybody. And it would also render the polls meaningless. And so if the electorate remains small and predictable, and it's only a certain amount of hyper-partisans on both sides who are going, well, then you can say with some confidence what's going to happen. What's your take on media coverage of the elections and proposals here in the state of Michigan? I would say it's been lacking. I would say that often I find that the media in Lansing, they seem to explain power and explain government. They explained Whitmer's actions during lockdowns when the job of journalists is to question these things. Mm hmm. And so when you see an extreme intervention that was never the plan before, lockdowns were never the plan, but when you see an extreme intervention be put in place, my thought would be, hey, this is strange. This is a strange circumstance. We should treat it that way. Instead, what you saw was a normalizing of it. And so I see that across the board where, of course, Whitmer's going to win. There's this conventional wisdom that's formed that no one cares about lockdowns. No one cares about freedom. No one cares about the Constitution. Everybody's just moved on. And Republicans say this and Democrats say this. And the rest of us say, is anyone going to fight for us? 
It's hard for me to follow what's going on in Michigan, James, because it seems like the coverage is slanted one way or another. I find myself going to business type entities when it comes to just, I want the news. I don't want anyone to decipher it for me. I don't want their opinion. I'll make up my own mind, but it's so hard to find that anymore. Very much so. Very much so, because so much of what is written seems to have an agenda. And that's why the story was published, right? That's why it was pursued is to, I'm going to exonerate this source, or I'm going to prove that this other person is the worst person ever and should never be considered. Mm-hmm. It does not come off. Most stories you read do not come off as an honest search for truth. So let's dive into, well, there's one question I want to ask you. So we talked about Michigan. What do you see on the national level in regards to coverage of the media, not only here in Michigan, but across the country? And I see that several of the elections here in the state are being covered by the national media. Yeah. And what I'm really looking forward to, you know, Detroit News had a good story today where Governor Whitmer actually says she's not going to, well, She said she is going to stay all four years. If she were to be reelected in November, she would stay all four years, which would preclude taking a job with Joe Biden in the administration. It would also preclude running for president in 2024. Mm -hmm. Right. So what's going to happen with that? And what will be fascinating is if she were to change her mind again in two years, would the media hit her for it? Or would they say again, well, everybody's moved on. Right. And whether the governor was Republican or Democrat, I would have a hard time believing what she says because we're being told a lot of different things because people want to get elected. Correct. We're talking with James David Dixon, who is the managing editor of Michigan Capital Confidential. A lot of money has been doled out here in the state of Michigan by our lawmakers. We're going to dive into that here next on Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Has your workplace stopped working? DBI provides furniture solutions and workplace essentials that make business work better. From toner and paper to space planning and movable walls, DBI creates workspaces that really work. DBI, we do office. Everything for the office. One call, one source, one solution. Visit DBI online at dbis.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Connolly. This is Media Business. We're talking with James David Dixon, who's the managing editor for Michigan Capital Confidential. And David recently wrote an article, and it was very interesting, titled In One Billion Spending Spree, Michigan Lawmakers Give $13 million to Two Unions. So talk a little bit about that $1 billion spree where a lot of the money went to, and then we'll get to that $13 million. Yeah. So, you know, out of a $77 billion budget, which is something like 35% higher than the first budget Governor Whitmer passed. I mean, so we're spending a ton of money in Michigan and in ways that are not sustainable. But inside of that, there was a billion dollars that went to 150 pet projects. 
you know, so we have what 148 lawmakers, 150 projects that each get a piece of a billion dollars. And so the way it works in Lansing is, oh, you're high minded and, you know, you're not into this kind of thing. Well, you might not have anything to bring back to your district then, but the game will keep going. And so these legislative grants. So this all started with the Detroit News story by Craig Mauger, by far the best reporter in Lansing. And what Craig found that I found disturbing is that in a lot of cases, the lawmakers from an area knew nothing about the projects that were targeted in their area. So lawmakers from Ann Arbor, you know, there's deals in there that are focused on the Ann Arbor area, but none of the delegation knows about it. Well, how did that happen? Because it was a business interest who happens to be operating in Ann Arbor who asked their real friends for the favor. Wow. So is this the governor and her staff who put this in, or is this the legislative leadership in the state? These are lawmakers. So these are, you know, earmarks for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. These are earmarks. And so that's exactly it. And so if you're the ethical objector, you just don't get any pork. And if you're not, if you're the ethical objector and you take the pork, well, now you're in on it. Now you're in on it. So those are the choices. Do you want your district to get nothing or do you want to be part of the problem? So I want to make sure I'm clear on this, James. Are you telling me, say, if you were the representative for East Lansing and I was a representative for Ann Arbor, there is a pet project that may have gone to Ann Arbor with a lot of money that I didn't know about because you hooked it up because of a special interest. Correct. That's exactly it. And, you know, So were you to block mine, well, guess what happens to yours? And so it makes everybody complicit. Everybody has to play the game. And a lot of people don't even know the game's being played. I mean, that's the other problem with Lansing. You know, I think about this chip deal with the Chinese company. You have lawmakers, even legislative leaders, signing non-disclosure agreements. (laughs) So you're doing the people's business but you can't speak on it publicly. That literally means that you're no longer responsible to we, the people. Why do we allow that? We don't, we don't, but they do it. And you know, it's the same reason why you can't FOIA the governor's office, though they claim they will honor the FOIAs. You can't FOIA the legislature. We have some of the least transparency, some of the least, you know, ethical, you know, infrastructure. It is open season. And so things like this happen where, A billion dollars gets thrown out and the people very closest to it don't know about it. So before we talk about the $13 million that will go to two unions, can you give us a couple of examples of some of that billion dollars that went around? And the first thing that I thought, James, is, well, if you wipe that one billion out, you put that in the rainy day fund, the budget's only six billion. And that seems to be a lot better deal for the people. You could say that, but, you know, politics is also the business of punishing your enemies and doing favors for your friends. So you could do the right thing. You could do the high-minded thing, or you could say, how can I be good to the people who've been good to me? And that's by far the more, because there's no constituency for good government. There's only constituencies for, we want particular hands in the cookie jar. But no one in Lansing wants to kick over the cookie jar. 
So can you name a couple of those pet projects that got part of that billion dollars? Yeah, you know, so this all started with the Detroit News story. So one of the projects that Craig Mauger found is $20 million for a nature conservancy in Ann Arbor, but really it's going to end up being a condo development and hotels on the Huron River. So even within the earmark that was given, on its face, what it claims to do is very misleading from what it actually does. Mm. And it took the news something like two months with their best reporters on it to unravel exactly what these projects meant, to match the language in the bill to things that were happening. And they're the only ones who did it. So if you know only one or two reporters in Michigan are going to ever find out this scheme, what's to stop you from doing it? We're talking with James David Dixon, who's the managing editor of the Michigan Capital Confidential. When we come back, we're going to talk about one more feature of Michigan's $77 billion budget, a billion of that, which could be conceived as pork pet projects. $13 million of your tax dollars are going to two unions. We'll talk about that next here on Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. For a home equity line of credit, ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. I'm Tony Conley. This is the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. We're talking with James David Dixon. We've been talking about the new $77 billion budget for the state of Michigan and how it can operate in this next fiscal year. $13 million of those went to a couple of interesting places. And I thought we'd let James talk a little bit about that. James, what else did you find in this great article by the Detroit News? Yeah. So, I mean, you have 13 million of the 1 billion and you could say, Hey, that's not a lot of money, right? Well, how do you get to 1 billion? 13 million at a time. So <laughs> It's all of these projects. These projects are supposed to illustrate the larger problem. They are by no means the totality of the problem. But when you look into the details of what it claims to do, it's disturbing. So $5 million for the Michigan Regional Council of Carpenters and Millwrights. So this money is going to be used to expand awareness around skilled trades opportunities. That could mean anything. That could mean nothing. It has no clawbacks. It has no teeth. Basically, they were just given $5 million. And then you have $8 million for the Laborers International Union to assist with building and retaining a Michigan-based laborer workforce. Hey, that part sounds good. I mean, globalization has not been kind to us here in Michigan. I'm glad someone is actually thinking about keeping jobs here. But if that were really going to be a thing, is $8 million even enough? Or is it just like the other one? I mean, it means anything. It means nothing. Basically, they were given that money. 
And in both cases, you could actually use the money to make up for losses or costs even associated with the COVID pandemic. This kind of blows my mind, James, from the aspect of these are taxpayer dollars and they're not clearly defined as how the money's going to be used. Like we're going to bring in a thousand people and train them and put them in the workforce. It's not defined that way. Similar to I've been reading about here. This is across the country, but here in the state of Michigan, we've been given millions and millions of dollars in regards to COVID assistance. And we don't know where that money's going to, especially on the education. It's not defined as to go to help us to hire more people to help us read better, to do math better, or to write better. It could be anything. And not enough people are asking questions about this. Our government is operating like a huge slush fund. And what's even more disturbing is our politicians are acting. So if you have access to millions of dollars, you don't have to be a millionaire to have your hand in million dollar deals. Mm -hmm. You can just say, hey, the earmark process, I'll let theirs go, they'll let mine go. Good way to make friends. It's the same reason why a lot of politicians find themselves very wealthy after just a few years in Lansing or Washington. Now, how could that be? It's not cheap to run for office and you don't make a ton of money in the job. How does everyone get so wealthy? And James, I wanted to, before we let you go, talk a little bit about media coverage of education here in our state. As we're trying to hopefully put an end to COVID, I found it interesting. I recently was at the doctor's office and I got a physical. Pretty much everywhere I go, you don't have to wear a mask anymore, but still in the medical community, we have that going on. And I know there are some school districts that still want to continue that. And I really don't see much coverage on this. Do you? And if so, where? Not really the COVID aspect. There was some talk, you know, before the school year, should masks and vaccines be required? Of course they shouldn't. But what you see really now is these stories about parental rights, right? So this is the first year since COVID that there's been a widespread assumption that we should have school and that Mm -hmm. we should, you know, carry on as best we can. So that is a good thing. That is a sign of growth. It's a sign of normal. It's a sign we're finally getting back to a normal life here in Michigan. But that also means our stories are the normal things you would talk about, right? What's on the school library shelves? Is that appropriate for my kid? I mean, I think about Dearborn. They had a school board meeting on Monday where the school board fled the meeting. They suspended the meeting and had to reschedule it for Thursday because there was too many people there and they were getting unruly. That is citizenship on high. And I think what we're going to see in this election, I think there's a lot of folks who don't participate in polls and maybe who don't even speak publicly. But I think when they cast their votes, they're going to be casting their votes for parental rights before we leave. What's your take on that? Absolutely. When you have the attorney general of the state saying we need a drag queen in every school, that's something that sticks in the mind. And I think a lot of people took issue with that. And, you know, Dana Nessel said it was a joke, but I think a lot of people didn't find it funny. No. And I think, you know, I'm constantly asking questions when I'm out in the communities. And one of the things that sticks in my mind is this mom telling me, look, I don't tell anyone else how to raise their kids, but no one is going to tell me how to raise my kid. 
and how I should spend my tax dollar on where I send my kids to school. And I think a lot of people are going to be voting that way too. It'll be interesting to find out. James, we'll definitely, after the election in November, we'll get you back on. Love to get your take on what happened. Uh, appreciate oh, I can't time. wait. I can't wait, Tony. James David Dixon is the managing editor for the Michigan Capital Confidential. If you want to know what's going on in our state, if you want to know what's going on in state government, that's the place to go. James, I appreciate you so much. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you, Tony. I'm Tony Connolly. This is Media Business, and this is the Michigan Business Network.